Your Pittsburgh Steelers pull off a huge divisional win on the road at First Energy Stadium, taking out the Cleveland Browns 15-10. to 10. We're going to break down all the aspects of this game, whether it was Najee Harris, Pat Frymuth making an amazing play, the defense shutting down Nick Chubb, and yes, that odd field goal fake call from Mike Tomlin and the Steelers that got Chris Boswell hurt, as well as the officiating all the different angles of this game right here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. We thank you for making us your first listen every day. Check us out on all the different podcasting platforms available for free Monday through Friday. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers. Your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit the like button on it. It's Victory Monday in Pittsburgh. And in fact, it's Victory Monday for the only team in the AFC North that got a win on Sunday. The Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Cleveland Browns 15-10 to in a defensive showdown. It was an old school, drag them out, beat them up, run the ball, stuff the run, hit the quarterback type of game. And the Steelers came out on top. Now... There's a lot of elements to get to this game. I know a lot of people want to talk about the fake field goal call. We'll get to that in the second segment. Uh, there's a lot of different things to talk about. But first and foremost, you have to give credit to this team. Just two weeks ago, you all watched that Monday night or that, excuse me, that Sunday night football game when the Steelers were just getting gashed by the Seahawks and Alex Collins, a backup running back. And a, and a Seahawks team that does not have a supreme offensive line, that doesn't have any, you know, it's made two of their top two backs were out. And all of Steeler Nation was sweating. Man, the Browns are coming up. They're the number one rushing team in the NFL. They're getting Nick Chubb back. He's healthy. He's he's refreshed. He's been resting. They're coming off a short bye week. We're coming off a long bye week. And your Pittsburgh Steelers came out and shut it down on defense. Nick Chubb, 16 carries, only 61 yards, no touchdowns. The biggest mistake the Steelers had on the ground game was Devin Bush over-pursuing an angle on Dearness Johnson. He cut it back for an 11-yard touchdown run. Other than that, the Steelers' defense was really putting the clamps on the Browns' rushing offense. And, I mean, again, other than that one touchdown, the Browns scored three points. That's defensive dominance on a team that's supposed to run the ball all over you. And again, the adjustment coming so fast. And I talked about this all last week. I talked about when we asked Mike Tomlin about it. And, you know, we looked at the, when you looked at the all 22 against the Seahawks, you saw that the safeties were backed up. You saw guys playing a little more passive at times and weren't passive in this game. And credit everyone on that defensive front that, that contributed here. This was a collective team win by that defense. Cam Hayward, just phenomenal. What, what more can you say about Cam Hayward? He's a phenomenal player. He's an elite defensive tackle. He's right up there with Aaron Donald. He's the, he's, he's the, ne the next guy in line with Aaron Donald at the defensive tackle position. He's a phenomenal player. Played amazing this game. Got half a sack, four tackles, two quarterback hits. Played great in this game. T.J. Watt, six tackles, one and a half sacks, three quarterback hits, and a tackle for loss. He recovered a key fumble in this game. Big game for him. Alex Highsmith, only four tackles and a tackle for loss, but 
he was he was in position plenty of times. There was only one play that I noticed. I was like, mm, maybe he could have been in a better spot. Great job by him. Chris Wormley, four tackles, a sack. That's that he came up big in this game. And I will not skip out on the rookie, Isaiah Loudermilk, coming up big in this game. We don't have the official snap counts yet to see how many snaps he was in. But every time I saw him on the field and I was make, looking at big number 92 in the middle of the defense. He finished with two sacks, two tackles and a sack. The sack was him chasing Baker Mayfield out um, short of the line, short of the line of scrimmage on out of bounds. So that counts as a sack because he's the nearest guy. But so many times blowing up the middle, um, the blowing up the middle of the field, blowing up um, the uh, blowing up the middle of the offensive line for the Browns, changing the line of scrimmage, and that's something you didn't see much out of the Steelers' backups in recent weeks. He is truly coming along. They liked what they saw with his size because he's size-wise, he's very comparable to Cam Hayward. He just has to figure out who he is. That was a really, really good game from the fifth-round rookie. Guy they traded up to get, by the way. But all in all, this was a great game for the Steelers' rookies as a group. Najee Harris, 26 carries, 91 yards, touchdown. Big game. The Superman touchdown just going over the top. Superman! Pat Farmuth. An amazing catch. And by the way, while he's being held, and I think I'm going to just say this now, most of those, most of the Steelers catches today came while the Browns were just grabbing them, draping all over them, pulling them before, while the, before the ball was in the air, while the ball was in the air. It didn't seem to matter. The referees were just going to allow the Browns to do whatever they wanted and just hold the Steelers receivers and tight ends. But Pat Frymuth, while being held, gets the ball tipped and then concentrates, pulls it in, taps the toes, and gets a huge touchdown on fourth down for the Steelers. Phenomenal play from him. Kendrick Green, though he did have a holding call that I thought was really soft on, on, the, on their part um, on a two-point conversion that would, would have been a spectacular two-point conversion from Ben Roethlisberger. Otherwise, I thought he played a very solid game. The interior is getting so much better. The run blocking is getting so much better. This team is pushing piles forward. The Browns knew they had to come out and stop Najee Harris. They just couldn't for most of the game. Dan Moore Jr., I'm not going to spare you. He did not look good against Miles Garrett. man. But here's the thing. Here's what I'll say about that. Miles Garrett was always going to make Dan Moore Jr. a fourth-round draft pick rookie look bad but Dan Moore Jr. was able to do just enough to not let it compromise the Steelers game plan and part of that's the Steelers scheming around it they knew that was going to be a problem they didn't send Dan Moore Jr. a ton of help all game they did send Najee over there Gentry over there on occasion they you know and there were some good there was there were some good reps of that but there were plenty of times Dan Moore Jr. was just like look buddy you got to stand up to this dude we're not saying you got to stonewall him and shut him down, but you got to make sure that he can't just walk into hit hit Ben Roethlisberger. Miles Garrett, I believe, finished this game only with a single sack, and so he gets to add uh, Ben Roethlisberger to his tombstone graveyard or whatever that he has at his house. But as Ben Roethlisberger said, he could do that. I'll take the win. Ben Roethlisberger now, by the way, twenty five two and one lifetime versus Cleveland owns the Browns. It was a huge statement win. The Steelers had so many different things going against them. Losing Chris Boswell at the end of the first half, couldn't didn't couldn't kick extra points, couldn't kick field goals. 
an offense still trying to figure out who they are, what they're doing. And just several extremely questionable calls that continue to whenever the Steelers make a big play, uh, the Browns got to be let back in it. Big gain, uh, we're going to find this holding call that we can't find. Brown's big play, TJ TJ Watt, Robert Splane can get held at the point of attack at the same time with their jerseys being pulled as they put their hands up and still can't get a call. By my count, there were at least seven to ten, anywhere from seven to ten big-time calls missed on big plays that would have either given the Steelers a first down or set or stopped the, the Browns from getting a first down. But the Steelers hung in there. They didn't get frustrated. And they found a way to win on the road against a team that's supposed to be a Super Bowl contender. We heard all this talk. The Browns, they're supposed to run the division this year. This was their time. They're supposed to be amazing. You got smacked at home. By the way, Baker Mayfield is the worst quarterback in the AFC North. I don't want to hear all this. He, Oh, he was hurt. He was this. He was that. You know what? If he was hurt, you shouldn't have put him out there. And he looked pretty fine when he was running, when he ran past two holding calls to get a third down conversion and then flex in front of the crowd right before Joe Schobert, by the way, led the team with nine tackles, had a key force fumble this game. Can't overlook his contributions. And it was a revenge game for him because the Browns didn't pay him. They let him go. That's their mistake. And if you remember, remember way back that it wasn't on this exact channel. It was on the Odyssey uh, group. We did an AFC North overall showdown. And when the Steelers signed Joe Schobert, my man Jeff Lloyd from the Browns was like, you think that's going to do anything? <laughs> well, buddy, it did. We got a lot more to break down here. I got to talk about that field goal call because that is going to be a big talk as Chris Boswell is officially in the concussion protocol. We will see if he's even able to play next week. They do have a Monday night football game against the Bears coming up, so that gives them an extra day to kind of to kind of get moving forward. But, man, that call, I disagreed with it. But I'm not going as far as some Steelers fans about it. I'll explain why that's the case. But first, I got to talk about DirecTV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another device that lets you stream your favorite shows, and then you're watching your sports highlights on your phone, and then you finally you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a, sim- a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle, and it's a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I am your host, Chris Carter. We're keeping it rolling here on a victory Monday. We've actually published this show a little bit early, so if you're watching this on Sunday, congratulations. You beat the you beat the rush. But if you're listening to this on Monday, uh, on Monday or watching this on Monday, or uh, just know that you got if you're a Steelers fan, you got to be happy right now. But you weren't happy at the end of the first half because you saw. Um, you saw Chris Boswell setting up for a field goal, chip shot field goal. Should have been uh, should have been six to three. The Steelers go with a fake field goal kick. And Boswell tries to roll to his right. 
He tries to throw the ball to the end zone. He sees it's covered, doesn't want to throw a pick, waits a long time, and then as he throws, after he throws the ball, he gets clobbered and sent to the ground as he throws an incomplete pass. Cleveland gets the ball, still tied at three late in the late in the first half, and he gets a concussion that knocks him out for the game. Less than ideal. I suited this when when it first happened. I disagree with the call. I wouldn't have done that. But for the people that are saying, this is so stupid. This is the dumbest call ever. Relax. Because you know what? The Steelers have done this for years and pulled it off. Now, you might not remember Robert Golden throwing a rainbow pass down the field to Darius Hayward Bay to close out the Bengals in a, in a game at Heinz Field. I remember because I was there to see it. You might not remember. There was Jordan Berry rolling to his right and hitting a uh, an Alejandro Villanueva in a touchdown against the Denver Broncos because the offense was stinking that day. I remember. And that's what the Steelers have done in a lot of games in the past where the offense is struggling. It just didn't work in this game. Now, Mike Tomlin addressed why it didn't work. He said they didn't snap the ball fast enough. We, we sat there way too long and allowed them to get set, and then we did. We couldn't catch the Browns off guard, and that's why they were in their position that they were. And he said, I should not have called, and Mike Tomlin said, I should not have called this play if it wasn't ready to be executed at the level that it's supposed to be. And that's on me. And that's what Mike Tomlin's got to do. He's got to take that one on the chest because he he called that play. And pe- and if the Steelers lost this game, oh my goodness, would this be all about all about that that play call? But he said, you know, his guys backed him up because he trusted him. And again, I'm not again. If it's me, I kick the field goal. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I I, I I'm not saying that. I disagree with anyone that says that was the better call. But. There are too many decisions, and this is one thing that I get on with people who evaluate coaching, that they're like, oh, I would have done this. It's the hindsight is twenty twenty rule. You know, Bill Cowher called a genius because he kicked an onside kick in a, in a Super Bowl game that worked. If it doesn't work, he's a fool, and he why did he give Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith and Michael Irvin a short field with an, with an onside kick? These things happen. They get busted. Now, what should what really should have happened in this in this play? was the headshot that Chris Boswell took after the ball was released. Browns player launching his helmet, hitting Chris Boswell in the head and neck area after the ball was out and no flag was thrown. Even Gene Steratore, former NFL officiating head, came out and said on Twitter, "This was that was an abhorrent call. He, talk, he, he tweeted all about it, explained it line by line. That was a terrible no call in that situation and how you miss it is ridiculous and you can add that to a long line of questionable calls that favored the Browns calls and no calls because it's it was a mix of things it started from the Steelers first offensive drive the Steelers got a big game and Chikuma Korfor is called for not lining up close enough to the line of scrimmage and it was that's one of those calls that for years I've always wondered like man the NFL doesn't seem to care how far an offensive t- tackle lines up off the center but for the last I'd say 30 years of football where Chukuma Korfor was a le- was was at it has been accepted by the NFL time and time again and that was just the the tippy tip top of this iceberg of horrible officiating and it wasn't it wasn't a both-sided fiction because it wasn't like there was a play where the Steelers fumbled the ball and the Browns didn't get it back. 
it was just it was just bad call after bad call that continued to favor the Browns. And like I said, Pat Frymuth on his touchdown reception had to fight through being held before the ball was in the air while the ball was in the air. On the two-point conversion after that, Deontay Johnson being held the entire time before the ball's in the air while the ball's in the air. Chase Claypool had a really good sideline catch. Same thing, being held before the ball was in the air and, and while the ball was in the air. And it just continued to go that way the entire game. Whether it was Isaiah Bugs being called for defensive holding while he was being held on a big game for the Browns. Whether it was Baker Mayfield on a third down rush that I talked about in the first segment where he runs past T.J. Watt who's being held and can't turn. And then Robert Spillane's in open field and he's trying to break loose, but he can't turn because his jersey's being pulled. And then Baker Mayfield celebrating the play because he did something and he did. He ran the ball. Good, good job. But it doesn't happen if those two holds are at least called or if they don't, if, the, if they're not, if they're not allowed to hold, those guys don't hold. He gets hit long before that. And it's fourth down. Time and time again, the calls were abhorrent. Now, here's one thing that I also think the uh, I also think that the you know people might have been overstating the impact of the Boswell injury, because it does stink. But I saw some people saying, man, if Boswell wasn't hurt, the Steelers would have been up 20 to 10. Eh, check that math there. The Steelers were, up, were, were tied at three with the Browns when they called the fake field goal, right? So instead of going for the fake, they kicked the field goal. Boswell makes it because he's Boswell. They're up six to three. Halftime, cool, up six three. When Najee Harris scores his touchdown, they would get seven points because they'd get Najee Harris, then they'd get the extra point. 13 to 3. Or 13 to 10, whatever. They have 13 points. But on that last drive, when the Steelers scored a touchdown with Pat Frymuth making that amazing catch, they don't go for it on fourth down throwing it to Frymuth. They kick the field goal. Be 16 to 10. Instead of 15 to 10. So it actually wasn't as crushing to this game as it seemed in the final scores when the Steelers was trying, when Steelers had to hold out the Browns for one last touchdown. I saw some people say, man, they wouldn't have to worry about, you know, giving up a touchdown on this last drive. Chris Boswell was around. I was like, yeah, they still would have. Now, again, was it the right call? No, I still think that, that, that Mike Tomlin made a mistake in going for that. And he, again, he admitted it because the execution wasn't there. But I don't think it was this abhorrently never call any fake kick ever type of call that some people are trying to make it out to be on Twitter because that's what people do on Twitter. They get really loud. They want to act like if they were the coach, they would have made every single decision correctly and everything would have been perfect and amazing. And the Steelers would be 17 and 0 every week. But football don't work like that. What I do think goes to Tomlin's credit, despite that bad decision. What I do think goes to Tomlin's credit is that they said all week, and I, I told you guys about it. Chris Wormley talked about it on Monday at the Steelers practice facility. Mike Tomlin talked about it. Keith Butler talked about it. Devin Bush talked about it. TJ Watt talked about it. Across the board, gap integrity. They had to have it in this game. And they came out and they did it. There weren't too many lanes for Nick Chubb to just run through. And, they, and Mike Tomlin said, you know, that was the focus, was to take him out of the game. Make sure he wasn't going to beat you. And listen, anytime you force Baker Mayfield to beat you, I think that's a good plan. Because he's not going to be able to do that consistently. He may hit a, hit a couple big plays, 
But, man, the Browns as a whole, you got to be wondering what's going through their heads right now. Four and four. This is supposed to be the year. Now they're in the basement of the AFC North. Again, supposed to be the year. You got Miles Garrett. You got three first overall picks on your team. And still nothing from this game. You're getting beat by Ben Roethlisberger in where he's performing the worst he has of his career with four rookies starting on offense. Kendrick Green, who I thought played solid. Dan Moore Jr., who hung on for dear life. Pat Frymuth, who scored a touchdown. And Najee Harris, who scored a touchdown. This was your chance. And not that they didn't take advantage of the chance at the playoffs, but it's like what I said after that playoff game. Marquise Pouncey doesn't snap that ball over Ben's head to start the game. I don't think the Browns win that one. The Steelers' mistakes cost them in that game. They didn't make the key mistakes that cost them in this game. And Ben Roethlisberger certainly made mistakes. There were a couple passes that could have been intercepted. A couple reads that he definitely missed. But by and large, he made he, he, he made some really good throws when it, when it was needed. That RPO pass to Deontay Johnson that went for 50 yards on the Steelers' final drive, clutch. That was a huge delivering play for Ben Roethlisberger. Deontay Johnson, by the way, continues to amaze. I think that he's going to be a phenomenal receiver for the Steelers. Led them with six catches for 98 yards. Didn't get a touchdown. Chase Claypool, I thought, had a bounce-back game. Had a really good sideline catch. Had some good catches over the middle. Running through tacklers. Four catches, 45 yards. Like I said, Frymuth, four catches, 44 yards. Zach Gentry, in a game where Eric Ebron was out, you didn't miss him. And as much as I'm not as down on Eric Ebron as others, Zach Gentry said, listen, I can block. I can catch when you, you know, on the screens, and I can make some plays when you need me to. Three catches, 39 yards, some solid blocking out there. All in all, I thought the Steelers did a lot of really good things here. But there's still some concerns that you want to address moving forward. We'll address some of those concerns in just a minute here. But first, I got to tell you guys about Bet Online. It's the time of the year again with football well underway. You want to get in on all the action at Bet Online, the number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. When it comes to college football, you got all the different conferences and their big showdowns every single week. You can go right to Bet Online with a new updated site and interface with even more odds, props, and contests as Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device today. And you can sign up and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. But don't forget to use the promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On, all capital letters, all one word, to receive your 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, from football to basketball to boxing, right down to horse racing. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season at BetOnline, where the game starts. We're also brought to you by Built Bar. If you want a healthy treat that tastes like a candy bar, Built Bar is the protein bar for you. It's the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team, and it comes in so many different flavors. Whether you want a fruity snack like raspberry, strawberry, orange, or something different like salted caramel, cookies of cream, rocky road, double chocolate, or real cookie dough, Built Bar has all the flavors for you to enjoy. As the best, and the best part, they're all healthy. They range from 130 to 180 calories. They pack 17 to 18 grams of protein, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. That's a tasty and healthy snack that'll save you from eating that snack you'll regret later and stay on task with anyone's diet. Order today and you'll get your favorite flavor delivered right to your door by going to built.com. And use promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCKED15, 
15 for 15% off at built.com. Again, that's promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. Wrapping things up here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm, on, and I'm your host, Chris Carter. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. Let's look at some of the things about this game that are a little unnerving. By the way, uh, I would be remiss, Minka Fitzpatrick, huge breakup on a fourth down pass at the end of the game. A lot of different things that I thought that were done well that will when we do when I do my full all 22 film review, I'll be able to give you more of my analysis on there. And hopefully we'll be able to get Tony Serino on for the Tuesday episode to get you got to get some more analysis on on the snap counts and what we thought about this game. And also he gets to talk a little bit of trash on his AFC North talk show. So lots of stuff there. But let's focus on things that the Steelers need to keep looking at to improve moving forward. There are still plays where Ben Roethlisberger, I just thought wasn't seeing the field properly, was sticking on certain reads, and just still isn't into the mode of cycling through his progressions, and that has to change. There was one red zone play where he kind of stared down Najee Harris, and Deontay Johnson broke open wide in the middle, uh, wide open in the middle of the field. All Ben has to do is throw an easy pass. It's like five yards in front of him, and Johnson will catch it and walk into the end zone. The Steelers would be laughing on their way to the end zone. That being said, though, I think Ben – is trying his best to play within this scheme that's being devised. I think the running game is coming along. You're seeing Trey Turner making blocks. You're seeing Chikuma Korfor making blocks. You're seeing Kendrick Green making blocks. Kevin Dotson. Even Dan Moore Jr. when it's time to run the ball. Pass protection, he was in trouble. And, of course, just Najee Harris just being a phenomenal player, getting every extra yard that he can. When this offensive line figures it out fully and we start to see some of these guys start to – tap into the potential that they have because right now they're figuring out who they are in the NFL and they're playing better but they're still not anywhere near where I think that their their best can be as a, as a group especially with a lot of those those young guys but man if he can get like that behind a, a really strong group whoo, I really think the Steelers will be a problem for a lot of teams and heck right now they are don't look right now but they're four and three so I mean look obviously <laughs> but four and three is a game back of the AFC North leading five and two Baltimore Ravens. Now, before all the games finish and everything, because there's, I believe there's a couple of games that could change a few things, but right now in the AFC, the Titans are six and two, the Raiders are five and two, the Ravens are five and two, and the Bills are five and two. So they're, they're, those are your divisional winners right now, divisional leaders per se. But the Steelers are now the seventh seed. They would face the Titans in Tennessee if the playoffs were to start at this very moment. Only team, the teams that are ahead of them in the wild card chase, Chargers at four and two, Bengals at five and three. Now I say that because the Chargers are in a current battle right now as I record this. Again, I'm recording this on Sunday, so some of you might be seeing this Sunday. Um, but they're going at it with the New England Patriots. And at this time, they're losing, so who knows? Maybe the Steelers bump up a little bit. But Bottom line is this. The Steelers are going to be able to compete with teams if their defense comes out and plays like this and they don't turn the ball over. That's another big factor in this game is the Steelers protected the football. If Ben Roethlisberger can keep those turnovers down with the offense and be able to make a few more better reads with the underneath passing game and throw the ball down the middle of the field, which he started to do a little bit this game. It was a huge conversion to Zach Gentry over the, over the middle. The Browns just gave up. 
if if he starts to do that a little bit more, I think this team becomes a lot more dangerous and they don't just get, you know, occasional wins over the Bills. They'll start to beat teams more consistently. And that's what this team has to do, get more consistent in different facets of their game. The run defense, we saw it in this game. Let's see it keep it moving forward. You got a chance to really show that you can that you can do some serious damage. And I said this before the, before this game. A win here gives them a three-game win streak. Your next two games at home. Monday Night Football, Chicago Bears, struggling team. At home, Detroit Lions, winless, struggling team. I know some people are saying, well, those are the games the Steelers stink at. Mike Tomlin has a pretty good record, actually, against bad teams. Because if he didn't, he wouldn't have an he wouldn't he, we wouldn't have uh, a, a lifelong career of what 15 years now without a losing record. But if the Steelers handle business at home against two struggling NFC North teams, you're seriously looking at them being six and three going into mid-November. Now, granted, that last stretch of game is going to be tough. You got the Chargers on the road, the Bengals on the road, the Ravens at home. But we saw the Bengals losing to the New York Jets. Didn't see that coming. I thought I I said before I think the Bengals would eventually start to taper off a bit and have some losses that you didn't you wouldn't expect with the way that they've played in the first few games. They're a young team. I think they're going to take time to adjust. But this loss I didn't see coming. And to a backup, it wasn't even Zach Wilson. It was Mike White, whoever that guy is. Never heard of him before, and they lost that game. So now you're a half game behind them, and that, yes, they've beaten you. But when you go to Cincinnati, we've seen Pittsburgh going to Cincinnati in, in times when you thought maybe Cincinnati might have had the better roster and they've gutted out the win several times, especially during Ben Roethlisberger's career. You get the Ravens at home, the Vikings on the road. Vikings, I think, a little bit better than, than their record. Titans at home. That's going to be a huge game. I believe Tony Serino's coming to town for that one. Tony, you better come to town. And then the Chiefs on the road. Browns at home, Ravens on the road. A lot of tough games, but if you're able to finish these next two games strong, you'll be 6-3 and three heading into that stretch, and then it's anybody's game. And then maybe even by then, the passing game's a little bit better. The run game's still improving. Maybe we start to hear, is there a chance Stephon Tewitt can come back in the next month or so? Keep winning, and you'll get to ask better questions each week. And yes, this was an ugly win. The Steelers didn't look phenomenal in this game the defense did but it don't matter if you're getting if you're getting into the playoffs because of ugly wins or pretty wins a win is a win in the nfl like i said we got a lot more analysis to do on not just this win but also what's going on with the steelers what direction are certain guys trending What's going to happen with Chris Boswell? Do the Steelers go out and get a kicker this week? They might have to just for an emergency sake. We'll do all of that throughout this week. Trust me on the Locked On Steelers podcast. Y'all know we break it down every day here. But Steelers fans, whether you're listening to this while you're going to work, whether you're watching this from home, whether you're just chilling on your lunch break, enjoy your victory Monday. And for some of you Steelers fans, and some of them have tweeted me, it's like, man, I live in Cleveland. This is it was rough after that playoff game. And enjoy, enjoy being around that city after this one. The Steelers got a big win here. 
and they've set themselves up for a really good opportunity to show the NFL, to show the AFC North, to show the, all the national people that said that they would never be anything this year, said five wins at best, last in the AFC North, all that kind of hype. Maybe they can turn it around. We'll keep it analyzing that right here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. Thanks so much for sticking with us here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. We hope that you enjoy your start of the week here with the Locked On Steelers podcast. We thank you for making us your first listen every day. We are available on all podcasting platforms for free. Remember, if you're watching this on YouTube or if you're not watching this YouTube, go to YouTube, hit the like button on the video. It really helps us out. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. That also really helps us out. We really appreciate anybody that wants to give us some love. If you want to give us more love, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review for us, give us a positive comment. That stuff also really helps us out in the long run. And if you do both of those things with Apple Podcasts, I give you a special shout-out at the end of the show. We're going to hope to have Tony Serino on tomorrow for a Tony Tuesday, getting more excitement out of the Steelers' big win over the Browns.